Let's turn in our Bibles tonight to two portions of Scripture, both in the New Testament. First of all, we turn to Matthew chapter 26. We're going to read from verse 57. And then we're going to turn for a few verses to Acts chapter 4. Matthew chapter 27, sorry, 26, verse 57. Matthew chapter 26, verse 57. Follow with me as closely as you can. And they that had laid hold on Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and elders were assembled. But Peter followed him afar off unto the high priest's palace, and went in and sat with the servants to see the end. (coughs) Now the chief priests and elders and all the council sought false witness against Jesus, to put him to death, but find none. Yea, though many false witnesses came, yet found they none. At the last came two false witnesses, and said, this fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God, and to build it in three days. And the high priest arose and said unto him, Answerest thou nothing? What is it which these witness against thee? But Jesus held his peace. And the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God, that thou tellest whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus saith unto him, Thou hast said, Nevertheless I say unto you, Hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power, and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest rent his clothes, saying, He has spoken blasphemy. What further need have we of witnesses? Behold, now ye have heard his blasphemy. What think ye? They answered and said, He is guilty of death. Then did they spit in his face, buffeted him, and others smote him with the palms of their hand, saying, Prophesy unto us, thou Christ. Who is he that smote thee? Now Peter sat without in the palace, and a damsel came to him, saying, Thou also was with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. When he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto them that was there, This fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And after a while came unto him, They that stood by and said unto Peter, 
Surely thou also art one of them, for thy speech betrayeth thee. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew. And Peter remembered the words of Jesus which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. Let's turn now to Acts of the Apostles in Acts chapter 4, just for a few verses. Acts chapter 4. And we'll read from verse 1. Acts chapter 4, verse 1. And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. They laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day, for it was now even time. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about five thousand. And it came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes, and Annas the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Amen. We know that God will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now we do welcome you all again. Now my text tonight is taken from the fourth chapter of Acts and the verse 6. And it says, And Annas the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. Now, my, my subject tonight is really, we could call it birds of a feather flock together, or if we wanted to home in uh, on one particular individual amongst this group, uh, we could think about the portrait of Caiaphas. Now, Caiaphas is mentioned nine times in the New Testament. And he was one out of six people that came face to face with the Lord Jesus Christ on the night before his crucifixion. After the Lord Jesus was betrayed by Judas Iscariot with a kiss in the Garden of Gethsemane, the mob or the crowd that was there 
took Christ away from their midst immediately and they brought him to the palace of Caiaphas. And of course in Matthew chapter 27 uh, we uh, read there but Peter followed him afar off unto the high priest's palace. It says in verse 69 of Matthew 26 now Peter sat without in the palace. And I want you to understand that the palace of Caiaphas is still there in Jerusalem unto this very day. And if you're ever in Jerusalem on a religious tour like we have been on, you can actually be taken by the guide to this palace and you can think of the Lord Jesus being brought here uh, from the Garden of Gethsemane and standing before Caiaphas and the elders and the scribes and the other rulers. Probably Annas was there, probably John, probably Alexander. I want you to understand that Caiaphas was known as the high priest that year. He was also a member of the Sanhedrin council. He sat in that council along with his father-in-law Annas and other siblings, namely John and Alexander. He was a member of one of the most powerful families in all of Jerusalem at that time. They held a position of power, a position of authority and a position of honour over the Jews in Christ's day. And as I've said, there are nine references to this man in the New Testament. And as I stood in Caiaphas' palace and thought of Christ being brought before him, I asked myself, what sort of man was I? What was he really like as a person? Was he a good man or a bad man? What, what did he do? What job did he fulfill? How did he treat the Lord Jesus when the Lord Jesus was brought before him? Now, these are all questions, of course, that we could begin to answer. And we can only answer them based on the teaching of the Holy Scriptures. And as I thought about this man, Caiaphas, I want you to notice three things at least about him. I want you to think, first of all, of the spirit of conceit that was displayed. Turn back there to uh, Matthew uh, chapter uh, 26. And notice it says there in Matthew uh, 26, And they that had laid hold on Jesus, verse 57, led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest. And, and then come right down, Verse 63, And the high priest, this was Caiaphas, answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God, that thou dost tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. Now, let's be clear tonight, that Caiaphas was a man of great learning and knowledge. He was a man who held very high office in the Jewish tradition. He was the high priest. And as high priest, he would have been a religious man. Sadly, he was not regenerate. He wasn't born again of the Holy Spirit. 
Even though he was in this position of honour and power, even though he represented the whole nation before God, this was the man who would have offered the sacrifice on the Day of Atonement. A man before whom religious questions would have been discussed and answers sought. As I've said, a, a man of study and learning and knowledge, a spokesman for God. And yet he himself, even though he was in that high position, even though he's a man of learning and knowledge, he himself, very sadly, was in spiritual darkness. Do you know why? Because he didn't know the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't know who he was. Look at verse 63. I adjure thee. He's bringing an oath into the um, play here. I adjure thee by the living God that Thou tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. Now there's many great men like him today throughout the world. And the truth is that even though they occupy high religious positions, and even though they're men of learning and knowledge, yet the sad reality is that they do not know who the Lord Jesus actually is. And maybe even a sadder thing is this, that I believe that Caiaphas didn't really want to know who the Lord Jesus Christ is. You see, he was a member of one of the most powerful families in all of Jerusalem. And the whole family, Annas, John, Alexander, Caiaphas himself, and no doubt other siblings, not only were they strangers to grace and God, but they turned away from the Saviour. You see, this man ought to have known who Jesus Christ was. This man, reading his Bible, ought to have known who Jesus Christ was. And yet... He didn't know him. He had to use an oath to try and not only get the Lord Jesus to speak, but an oath to find out who Christ really was. Doesn't the Bible tell us there in 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 14, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned and there's many in the world tonight even though they're in a high position of office religiously men of learning men that wear fancy garments and yet they have no better light and understanding than Caiaphas had because spiritually in the dark in reference to Christ and even after Christ's crucifixion after his resurrection there's still the same mindset, still the same conceit. Here they are in Acts chapter 4, and the whole family this time is looking down again upon the true preachers of the gospel. Let me give you the background. Peter and John have been teaching and preaching about Jesus and the resurrection in around the temple area. They have healed a lame man who lay outside the, the, the temple gate. The man had been lame from his birth. Remember the story of the man who went walking and leaping and praising God. It was a day of rejoicing. 
a day of gladness at this wonderful miracle. And just at that point, as the man is healed, who comes into the vicinity of the temple? You've got Caiaphas, you've got Anna, you've got Alexander, you've got John. And they're clothed in their fine garments of their religiosity. They can't tolerate such a miracle taking place in their midst. They can't tolerate such a message of Jesus and the resurrection. So what happens is that Peter and John are arrested, they're put into prison, and then the next day they are brought out of prison and they are brought to the palace of Caiaphas. And it's in that palace again that they are examined and they're asked for an explanation. Now, of course, these religious men, they would say, but wait a wee minute, we're here to safeguard the Jewish religion. We have a right to know. We're concerned about false teaching. Notice their anxiety. They ask the question in verse 7, by what power or by what name have you done this? And of course, you see, they're really saying to the two apostles, Peter and John, you have no real credentials to preach and teach in the temple precinct. You haven't been to any of our rabbinical schools. Um, you're certainly not prophets. You're only common people. You're not part of the professional class. You're part of the common class. And they were disputing with them their right to stand and teach and preach in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, now look at verse 13 of Acts 4. Now when, Peter and, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. Think of the word unlearned and ignorant men. Now that, that is, they, they hadn't been to their professional school and they were ignorant in the sense they were just part of the common class. I have to think of a, a, a man called Joe or, or um, uh, John Bunyan. Uh, remember, he was the tinker of Bedford. He was one of the great stars of the English Reformation. Uh, he had been in prison for 12 years. And what was his crime? Open air preaching, preaching the gospel, going out of church into the community and telling people of their need of salvation and their need of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He was known as a dissenter. And, and just as Peter and John caused a lot of anxiety for the religious leaders in his day, so John Bunyan caused a lot of anxiety for those in England who belonged to the high church in his day. They, they, they just couldn't stand the, the preaching of the gospel. And therefore they were questioning their authority. Notice the answer they got in verse 10. Um, Peter says, Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth whom ye crucified and God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. What's he really saying? He's saying, We have come in the name of the Lord Jesus. We, we, we have come to preach and teach because we have got authority from Christ. He's the one whom you crucified. He's the one whom God had raised from the dead. He's the one by whom this lame man does stand here before you whole. 
Remember the Bible says, Isaiah 8 and 20, to the law and to the testament, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. And we could also add another letter. The word alarm. Not only was there anxiety in their heart, not only did they get the answer that they didn't want to hear, but there was alarm in their minds. You see, they were probably thinking to themselves, if these boys keep on preaching and teaching as they were doing in the name of the Lord Jesus, then we're going to be out of a job. And they had no time for the real true message of the gospel. They were involved in a self-preservation exercise. They were involved in a professional ministry. And we have to just say to you tonight, this was not the first time that Caiaphas heard the name of Jesus. Because there was a night before his crucifixion when Caiaphas and Jesus met face to face. That night there was an unjust trial. Christ was pronounced in their minds guilty, even though he was innocent. It was unjust because it took place at night and no trial in Israel is allowed to take place at night. It was unjust because they had to produce false witnesses and they found too. It was unjust because the sentence was premeditated. They didn't want to hear the truth. It was unjust that the high priest tore his clothes and no high priest was allowed to tear his clothes. See, it all points to one thing. The spirit of conceit that Caiaphas displayed in relation to Christ. He was proud of his religiosity. He was proud of his office. But when he came face to face with Christ and the gospel, he couldn't stomach it. And he wanted nothing to do with Christ. Notice secondly, and very quickly, not only the spirit of conceit, that they displayed but the sense of confrontation they faced you see the amazing thing is this even though Peter and John spent a night in prison they were not cowed and intimidated by this one powerful family over all of Jerusalem listen to what Peter says again verse 9 if we this day be examined of the good deed done to this important man by what means he is made whole be it known unto you all And to all the people of Israel, not only Jerusalem, but all throughout the land, from Dan to Beersheba, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here whole. See, Peter pointed out there's a sin here that you boys can't cover. Did you note the words, whom ye crucified? The story is told there in Matthew 26 of the unjust trial, the palace of Caiaphas. On that very night when Jesus Christ was brought from the Garden of Gethsemane and face to face with this religious man, Philippus Conceit. Because if we read Matthew very carefully, it says in verse 66, this was their verdict, he is guilty of death. Then did they spit in his face and buffet him and others smote him with the palms 
of their hands. And, and um, Peter is saying to them, here's a sin that you're guilty of. Ye had part and parcel in the crucifixion of Christ. It was you, he's saying. <coughs> and that's the heart of the matter. What's he really saying to them? He's saying to them, you're sinners. And this is the sin that you're guilty of. And you're sinners heading out into a, a Christless eternity. Also, he mentioned a saviour that they couldn't slight. Because he said in verse 11, verse 10 again, Whom God had raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Now I want you to think for a moment. Men who are working in a quarry, and they're quarrying out stones for a building. And along comes the head builder, and he points to this particular stone, maybe puts a mark on it in some way, and said, this is a reject. Don't bring this stone up to the temple. Uh, this stone is not going to be used. It's fit for nothing. Just let it lie here. Um, don't be building with it. And yet, what does he say? This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders. In other words, without Jesus Christ in your life, your life is nothing. And how many today have education? How many today seek fame and fortune? How many today concentrate on the love of family, and that's right and proper, having good friends, uh, having a, a means and an income to live by? And yet they have all these things, education, recreation, maybe a, a, a bit of fame about their name, uh, friends and family, finance secure, but they have no foundation. They're without Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says, um, other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid. Uh, and speaking of Jesus Christ. Um, build your life, we say to the children, on the Lord Jesus Christ. And Peter very boldly pointed out to these men, not only here's a sin that you can't cover because you crucified him, but here's a saviour you can't slight because oh, you crucified him. God raised him from the dead and this was the stone. That was brought into the temple. And everything is built around the stone. The stone holds the whole edifice together. And notice a salvation that they can't skip. Verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men. Whereby you must be saved. There is only one name whereby you can be saved. We could ask the question. Uh, what is in a name? And we could say, well, there's loads in the name. The name of Jesus Christ demands comprehension. Rodney and I were talking this afternoon. He was telling us about a time when he fell off his motorbike and ended up in hospital. And I asked him, was he hurt? And he said, no, he dislocated his shoulder. And then he was telling me that in Nairobi, providentially, he got talking to a Muslim man uh, who was a, a missionary from Iran who had come into Kenya to, to teach the people about the Muslim religion. He was in hospital for some ailment and Rodney got talking to him and they had a great chat because it centred on who is Jesus Christ. And Rodney was telling him he's the God man. He's God manifest in the flesh. And this is the only name whereby we can be saved from our sin 
and be assured of going to heaven. We, we could talk about Plato and talk about um, Muhammad and we could talk about many, many other individuals. But there's no other name other than Jesus Christ through which men and women can be saved. Isn't it so sad tonight when you think of Caiaphas faced with his sin, faced with the Saviour, faced with salvation, that he conspired against Christ. And he tried to cover it up. And yet, this was the very man that later on heard the gospel in the mercy of God from the lips of Peter and John. He was amongst that powerful family that was seeking to put away Christ. One final little thought. The callousness that they revealed. If you read on in Acts chapter 4, it says, if you look with me, that this was their conclusion. Verse 17. But that it spread no further among the people, let us straightway threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. Verse 19, But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them, because all the people, for all men glorified God for that which was done. Even despite their sin being pointed out, a message about the Saviour, a message about salvation, here's their callousness. In spite of evidence, you see, the man that was healed, he was in front of them. He was before them. They could see that this man was 40 years of age. They could see that this man, a great miracle of healing had taken place in his body. They, they could discern at least that there was power to, to change a man's life from uh, being lame to uh, being able to walk. And they could see there was a change and transformation had taken place. They knew they couldn't deny that a great miracle had taken place. Yet the sad thing is, they still rejected Christ. They, they twisted, and they had a distorted view of the truth. They threatened the disciples further and told them not to speak at all or teach in the name of the Lord Jesus. And isn't it true today in our world whether it's in Northern Ireland or in elsewhere, there's many religiously filled with conceit. And they don't know Jesus Christ, even though they're religious. And not only that, but sadly, many of these individuals, they have got a confrontation with which they're faced. Because they're faced with their sin. They're faced with the Saviour. They're faced with the message of salvation. And yet they display a great callousness toward it all. Who wants to be like Caiaphas? I thought about that as I stood in his palace. 
And I just bowed my head and thanked God for the mercy that he'd ever shown to me. That my eyes were opened to see my sin. My ears were opened to hear the voice of the Savior. My heart was opened to receive the great message of salvation. What a wonderful thing it is. Because the Bible says, He that covereth his sin shall not prosper. Whoso confesses and forsaketh them shall find mercy. Let me ask you just in closing, have you faced up to your sin? Is there a saviour that you can look upon and say, my Lord and my God? Have you received the great message of salvation and it's in the name of Christ and you rejoice? Or you display conceit? Or do you display callousness when it comes to these spiritual things? Are you like Caiaphas? Is this the portrait of you? If you are, then we pray that you repent. We pray you call upon God for mercy. That you say to the Lord, I don't want to be like that man. Lord, I want to be saved. I want to be true. I want to be out and out and through and through for the Lord Jesus. May the Lord bless these few remarks to your heart this evening.